Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dale Benwald. And I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. The special legislative session called by Governor Stitt has begun, but his plan to introduce tax cuts faces an uphill battle. Reporter Carmen Foreman has returned to the state capitol this week and has the details on plans to cut taxes by an estimated half a billion dollars. Carmen, who benefits from these tax cuts and which part of the state budget is going to pay for it? Essentially, everybody would likely benefit from the tax cut. So the two major tax cut proposals that are being discussed, this this is what Governor Stitt wants. He wants either the legislature to reduce the state's grocery tax or eliminate it entirely. And then he also wants a 0.25% reduction to all personal income tax rates. So anybody who pays personal income taxes would benefit. Um, And then anybody who goes shopping at a grocery store could potentially benefit from these tax reductions. As for how the state is going to pay for them is a really good question because the state's required to have a balanced budget. In other words, we can't spend outside our means here in Oklahoma like we kind of see the federal government do all the time. Um, So there was some money from, there were two tax relief proposals uh, that were sent to the governor during the regular legislative session. They would have sent out $75 checks to all taxpayers and then also um, eliminated a 1.25% sales tax on vehicles, like when vehicles get sold. And so those two tax proposals amounted to about I want to say over $300 million. And so lawmakers were able to repurpose some of those funds to pay for these new tax cuts. Should they go into effect? Should they make it to the governor's desk? And then there's also a proposal to basically cut $245 million from the Oklahoma Health Care Authority's budget. Basically, House lawmakers that are in charge of writing the budget said that the health care authority, which oversees the state's Medicaid program, has essentially $800 million in just unspent funds that are just kind of sitting in their cash reserves. And so by taking some of that money to offset the tax cuts, top lawmakers said that the health care authority wouldn't feel any changes, wouldn't have to cut any programs at all because of that. Stitt called for this special session. Um, a lot of lawmakers did not seem to be particularly happy about it, which we'll, we'll ask about that relationship in a little bit. But just why is it so important to the governor that these tax cut proposals are considered at all? So the cynical answer there is that it's it's an election year, right? Governors on the ballot, as are most of the members of the state legislature. But I think, you know, if you're just looking more broadly, Governor Stitt sees what a lot of us are experiencing. I mean, when you go fill up at the pump, it's like $4.50 a gallon, which is crazy in Oklahoma, right? And then all of most of our groceries are costing more because of inflation. And so Governor Stitt is trying to push the legislature to do something quickly 
while inflation is so high, um, is that really just politically expedient because it's an election year? Hard to say, but I assume that factors into the conversation as well. Earlier this week, you wrote that the proposals had tepid support before session began. The bills have already made it through the House of Representatives, but what does the Senate think? Yeah, the Senate's not really on board with tax cuts right now. And they have put forth a, a lot of reasons why. So it's it wasn't that long ago that, you know, the state was having budget shortfalls, whether it was every year, maybe every other year, and they were significant budget shortfalls. And what happened then was either state lawmakers had to cut budgets for state agencies, or they had to scramble to try to get three-fourths majorities in both chambers to raise revenue, which in a GOP-led legislature is really, really hard to get people to vote for tax cuts, especially when they know it could hurt them the next election cycle. So that's part of the Senate's reasoning. The other part is basically that if you rush through tax cuts, you don't know what effect they could have on the state in the long term. Yes, the state has a bunch of extra money this year. We have, you know, more than $2 billion in state savings accounts. But they're basically saying, you know, well, what about a year from now? What about three years from now? What about five years from now? Are we still going to be able to afford these tax cuts then? And if not, it's going to be really, really hard to undo them. Cutting the state grocery tax had support on both sides of the aisle and from the governor, but it still hasn't happened. So what are the concerns and roadblocks with that idea? Basically, why is that? not happened? It's a really good question. Um, And Oklahoma is in a minority of states that still has a state grocery tax. And like you said, you know, the leader of the state Senate introduced a bill to eliminate the grocery tax. Governor Stitt called for it in his state of the state. House Minority Leader Emily Virgin also filed a bill to get rid of it. But what Senate pro tem Greg Treat has kind of said this session after he filed a bill to eliminate the grocery tax is that there was sort of a lot of unintended things that he didn't think about. And so the One of the main things is that we have a state portion of the grocery sales tax, but then municipalities also levy their own portion, um, and it's the largest source of funding that keeps most municipalities going. And so the state portion is 4.5%. The the municipal version can vary. So some in the Senate basically said, well, if we cut the state's portion, Oklahomans may not notice because the localities are still, you know— taxing them on their groceries. And so they don't want it to look disingenuous, like the legislature promised one thing and didn't deliver. But then there's also this, you know, the municipalities do not want their local grocery sales taxes cut. um, And they would probably fight tooth and nail if the legislature tried to do that. So there's some concerns on that end. There's also... It can be complicated. What what do you define as a grocery? And one of the good examples given during the legislative session is like prepared food. So if you buy a rotisserie chicken at the grocery store, that counts as sort of prepared food. But, you know, restaurants and food sold at restaurants, which is prepared food, have to pay, you know, their own taxes on that. And so is it giving sort of a one-sided advantage to grocery stores if you're not taxing their prepared food. What about candy? What about soda? You know, which groceries do you exempt from the grocery tax? And so, yes, there is bipartisan support for it, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen immediately. Yeah, the devil's in the details, uh, apparently. I want to ask again about 
sort of the state's financial picture. Uh, during this discussion, the leader of the Senate's um, tax cut task force, and say that 10 times quickly, uh, this task force um, you know, was created sort of around this discussion of tax cuts by the Senate leader who is uh, generally tepid on implementing these right now. So the leader of that task force told you that she wants to be cautious about cutting taxes because of how hard it is to raise them. Uh, five years ago, we had a revenue crisis in the state, and it forced lawmakers into months and months of special session. And they eventually raised taxes on cigarettes, gasoline, and oil production. Is there worry that Oklahoma could face another financial crisis anytime soon? Or is, is there a lot of worry about the state's financial picture? Or is it, you know, did she say that just because of the realization of who controls the legislature right now? Yeah, there is worry that, you know, while the state finances look pretty great right now, that things may not look so good next year. And so when you think about the average Oklahoma family that is struggling because of inflation, paying more at the pump, paying more for groceries, well, state government and state agencies are experiencing inflation too. Things are costing more for the state to buy them. It's costing more for the state to do services. Um, So in the long run, you know, state government is not insulated from inflation. And if inflation continues to get worse, who knows what impact that could have on state finances. And so I think from the Senate side of view, there's just this extra caution, perhaps, um, not to cut taxes too quickly. But then if you talk to some of the folks in House leadership, you know, I was talking yesterday to um, House Speaker Pro Tem Kyle Hilbert, who pointed out that, you know, in his time in the legislature, which I think is just a few terms, um, he's seen lawmakers uh, hit the three quarters threshold to raise taxes twice. And one was for, you know, the around the teacher walkout and the tax package that Dale just mentioned. And one had something to do with, um, you know, taxes on electric vehicles um, that I think was last year, maybe the year before. But so he pointed out that, yes, while it's a difficult threshold to meet to get three quarters of the legislature to agree to raise taxes, it's not impossible. Stitt's relationship with legislative leaders and maybe the legislature as a whole has been up and down during his term. There have been some good times and some not so good times um, in that relationship. How would you describe what that relationship is like right now? It's hard to describe and it can change daily, right? Like so on Monday, the House of Representatives came in and part of their plan to pay for these tax cuts was to cut the governor's office budget by more than half. So that's, that's not a sign of a great relationship with your executive branch. But then by Wednesday, after the House had passed a series of tax cut proposals, not including the cut to the governor's office budget, the governor put out a statement, you know, praising the House, saying, hey, look, they are responding to my call for inflation relief, and I'm really proud that they did that. Um, so <laughs> it can be an up and down relationship. Um, I think you notice that... Um, Things get really um, contentious when money is involved at the state capitol, whether it has to do with the state budget, whether, like we're seeing now, tax cuts. Usually anytime there's money involved, there are very different opinions on how to spend the money or you know, how to write the state budget. And that seems to create a lot of mm, 
tension between the executive branch and the legislature. And the other thing that I would say is that sometimes the governor seems to think that the legislature works for him. And the legislature has made it very clear on numerous occasions that, you know, they are duly elected by their own constituents. They serve their constituents. They do not work at the pleasure of the governor. And, you know, Governor Stitt kind of sometimes has this CEO mentality where he's like, I set the vision and everybody else just implements the vision. But legislative leaders have their own vision for state government as well. The primary election is June 28th. That's 12 days from when we're recording this. It's so close that next week is the last full week of campaigning before voters make their choice uh, for the Republican uh, and Democratic tickets for governor and, and many legislative seats. Do you think that this special session that started Monday has interrupted or influenced these races at all? It's hard to say. And I think we could look after the election, and maybe if some incumbents lost, we could say, oh, did special session affect that? Could they have spent a few more days knocking doors? Um, it's, it's hard to know. Could They may have lost even without special session. Um, one thing that is worth noting, um, you know, Senate pro tem Greg Treat called the special session um, basically like just political theater. And specifically, I should say he was referring to the House passing a package of tax cut bills um, that are very likely never going to go to the governor's desk. Um, He called that political theater. He said that members of the House just want to put that on a mailer and mail it out before the primary so they can, you know, look really good to their constituents and say, hey, I voted to cut your taxes. Um, So in a way, that could really help some members. But there are some lawmakers that have really heated primaries um, or those that are running for higher office, you know, for example, like Senator Nathan Doms running for U.S. Senate, um, Representative Avery Fricks and Representative Dustin Roberts, Senator Martin Quinn, they're all running for congressional seats. Um, But to be honest, you didn't see a lot of those lawmakers that have really contentious primaries. Some of them didn't show up to the Capitol for special session. And that's okay. I mean, like, that's that's on them to decide whether they're going to do that. But some of them made the choice to say, I need to be in my district. I need to be campaigning. And now it's not a good time for a special session. This is going to be interesting to see, one, how this special session ends, and two, how this primary turns out. Carmen, thank you so much for joining us this week and to our listeners as well. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans' subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in The Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.